Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Flames. Today starts our player report card series, and I think it's only fair that we start off with the one and only 115-point player, Johnny Hockey. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, and thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Locked On Flames. Thank you so much for making Locked On Flames your first listen of the day. As always, you can find our show wherever you listen to your podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Apple, Audible, Odyssey, you name it. We're free 99 everywhere, including YouTube. So th- there's no elephant in the room here. I think it's fair to say that Johnny's season starts with an A+. Plus. Um, going into this season... He said, absolutely no no contract conversations. Just want to play play the game, make it through the season, and then we can talk. Which, I mean, I totally get that because, you know, you don't have to constantly be worrying about, like, okay, this is the figure that they're offering me. And, you know, if I go above and beyond, then we can negotiate more. And it's a lot of pressure just off his back without having, you know, to think about that constantly. 115 points. Did anyone have this on their bingo card? Now, two seasons, three seasons ago, technically, Johnny hit 99 points. And our good friend Eric Francis said uh, he will never do that again. He will never eclipse uh, 99 or break 100. And he was wrong. So, in between the 99-point season and the 115-point season, you had the two shortened seasons. And he just, you know what? He did what he did. But let, let's focus on the success of this year. He had 40 goals, 100-plus po- points, uh, just a really fantastic all-around season. He didn't miss a single game. He ended every single narrative surrounding him, and he shut everyone up. I think that there there are still a few people out there, few and far between, that say, oh, well, he's only 5'9". He's so small. He's not, he's undersized. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's still putting up 40 goals a season. Like, does, do you want a 40 goal scorer on your team regardless of their height? Like, I think that that's, like a ridiculous thing to try to write him off for, you know? But another thing was this whole contract. Every Everyone, like, knew going into this, it was either you trade him at the deadline or you give him a blank check. And the Flames didn't – they didn't let him walk. They didn't let him go at the deadline. So, you know, I think things are looking pretty good in that area. But – People were saying, you know, when he started heating up, well, it's a contract year. Of course he's going to play well. It's a contract year. Like, talent is just some sort of, like, switch you can flip on and off. I mean, let me know because I would love to find my on switch, basically, right? I think everyone would. But 
Sutter finally did the dang thing and put him on the top line. Okay? He separated him from Sean Monaghan, separated him from that ever-changing right-wing position, and said, you're going to the top line because you're an elite player and that's where you belong. And I still don't understand why that was hap- like wasn't a thing before. Um, and Johnny was just, like, was he just supposed to be on that second line to lift up his teammates play and kind of like hold himself back. I don't know, but Daryl Sutter did the thing. He did the dang thing. And this was truly like the first time in his NHL career that he was used to his full potential and he reached that full potential. Sutter did what's impossible. He taught an old dog a new trick. I put that in quotes because Johnny is 28 years old. He is not old by any means. Um, but in terms of hockey career wise, you know, this is, this is your prime. This is, this is the, the meat of your career, if you will. But I, he changed his 200 foot, 200 foot game. He started playing defensively. He had 50 takeaways. He was one of the most exciting players to watch offensively. But when you would see him, you know, on the forecheck, you'd be like, oh, okay, Johnny. Like, I, I, I'm sorry. There you go. And it was, it was fun to watch him. It was so nice to see this change in his game. And not that his game was bad before. Do not get it twisted. Johnny has always played an excellent game, but to see him improve even more and take his game to the next level, seeing him take his game to the next level was something that, again, not many people thought he would do because he is 28 years old. And that's not when you start introducing new things to your game. You know, you think of players like Dylan Dubé, Andrew Mangiapane, um, Rasmus Anderson's age, or 24, 25 years old. Like, that's 23 even. You know, you're really not trying, like I said, to teach an old dog new tricks. And, you know, he was receptive to Sutter's system. There was all that concern. Is Johnny going to be receptive? Is there going to be a problem? No. If this, if this is a problem, this is a fantastic problem to have. I loved it. I think that, obviously, 115 points from one of your top line guys. You can't go wrong there. You need more of this. The Flames want more success, and they, <laughs> they will get it. They will get it if they re-sign Johnny. And I woke up today and said today would be a fantastic day to sign Johnny. Extend him. Just do the thing. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, you're probably like, well, why is she in a Bruins shirt? Because I'm mourning Bruce Cassidy. Okay. But um, no, like in all seriousness, I uh, I think that this is would be a fantastic, like a no-brainer decision to extend him. He's just there. I like I mentioned on yesterday's show, there is uh, there was the piece in 32 Thoughts with Elliot Friedman about how they're going in hard. They're going to go in there. And I, I really, 
really don't think that they're going to lowball Gaudreau or Kachuk. Uh, the dominoes are going to fall into place there. And that's that's that, right? So I think I think things are good. A plus season. Hopefully an A plus off season. His wife's pregnant. They're expecting their first child. So exciting. Congratulations to them. And you just please, Brad Tree Living, make sure. You resigned him. Uh, coming up next, we are going to talk about the narrative surrounding Johnny and how he put them to bed. But first, let's talk about Built Bars. Built Bars are a delicious tasting protein bar that everyone needs in their life, especially, you know, if you go on hikes, picnics, you know, kayaking during the summer. But they have this flavor, caramel brownie. And who does not love a good chewy chocolate brownie, right? And sometimes people are like, oh, no, I can't have that. You know, I'm trying to watch, but I, you know, be more mindful of my food. Well, guess what? This chewy chocolatey brownie deliciousness has 17 grams of protein. Forget about dessert. These are better than dessert. Plus the macros are unreal. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only four grams of sugar. The best part, the caramel brownie bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. With Built, you don't have to sacrifice tasty for healthy. You can have both. It's the best of both worlds, like Hannah Montana saying about. There's a million reasons why you should try Built Bar. They're a fantastic sponsor to us. I'm always coming home to free pack, like PR packages from them. They take care of us. They make sure that, you know, we're we can tell you what we're preaching about. Like, we're not just like selling you something we've never had. And I love them. They're a great company with built tasty is the new healthy go to built.com to get your box of caramel brownie bars. Now head on over to built.com and use promo code locked 15 and get 15% off of your order. Use promo code locked 15 for 15% off of your order at built.com. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Locked on Flames. I appreciate you all. Just such a nice little community here. Uh, if you're listening, wherever you're listening, make sure you t- uh, rate the show. Leave a little review if you're listening on Apple and uh, subscribe and share with your friends. That would be super dope and I would appreciate that a lot. Um, so the thing about Johnny is... He has a lot of narratives surrounding him. Um, And it wasn't just him. It wasn't just him this season. Heading into the playoffs, there was a question mark surrounding the top line. No one really wanted to talk about it. You know, there were a few articles. Speculation. A little bit of cause of concern. But it's valid, right? I think it's valid for, like, any team going into the postseason, especially when you have a dominant first line through the – regular season and you know you see it with Pittsburgh you see it with Boston not so much Carolina I think because they're still like a young team but there there are a lot of teams that kind of you have to you know are they going to live up to that expectation that we that we have of them are they going 
to be able to perform that larger sample size of numbers in a smaller sample size of a game? Will they burn out? Johnny didn't. He had 14 points through 11 games. Three goals. Two of which. Two. Two of which were the most clutch goals of his career. These will be the goals that are talked about at his Hall of Fame induction. These will be the goals that, you know, when we're hanging 13 in the rafters, they will absolutely be on the Jumbotron. Probably not at the Saddle Dome. Saddle Dome's still around at that point. Then got to figure something out. But, you know, so far, the the series-shifting penalty shot in Dallas, or against Dallas, and then the Game 7 overtime winner against Dallas, those two goals were absolutely... The goals of his career thus far, and I'm not, you know, obviously, like I, I can't, I don't have a crystal ball, can't see what's in the future. But those two goals for me personally, I think, are like really big goals. And he, he had an excellent playoff series, uh, playoff performance between the two series. You know, he was great at drawing penalties and giving the flames you know that extra man advantage was he flopping a little bit yeah especially against dallas he did flop a little bit but you know what it's fine you know why it's fine i actually saw a thread about this on twitter the nhl does not care about player safety so if you need to like have a little theatrical moment on the ice to kind of be like see that's what happened do it who cares right and just don't get called for embellishment but he he was fine. He did an excellent postseason. I think that he exceeded ex- all expectations. I don't think that anyone kind of was like, okay, you know, that's all you got. That's all you got out of him. Whatever. Like, yeah, there were times where he went quiet, but there were also times when everyone else went quiet too. You don't, you don't get to single him out, right? That's how this works. But there was another narrative surrounding Johnny that truly drew me into making my decision to cover the flames, right? Why did everyone say Johnny hated Calgary and he didn't want to be here? It was like always uh, Flyers fans too, because they were like, Johnny, come home, come home, Johnny, come home. And I never really saw Flames fans talking about it. Um, and it was just kind of like a, hey, like, does he actually not like it here? Like, what's, what's the 411? Um, no, the, no, there was no, no. This was perpetrated by one person, and then of course it spreads, right? And, um, it, it was such a silly narrative. Like, once you once I started watching the Flames, listening to Johnny in his post-game press conferences, talking about how he wanted to, um, you know, how he liked it, he wants to win here. And, you know, what kind of seems like stereotypical NHL answers, but they were genuine. 
And he said a handful of times alone this season how much he loves Calgary, how much he wants to win here, how much he knows his legacy in Calgary matters. He wants to be remembered as a good guy and, you know, a good player, you know, off and, on and off the ice. And he just, he, he never sounded like he was, you know, talking down or like disingenuous about how much he enjoyed his time in Calgary. Enjoys his time. I shouldn't say enjoyed, but you know, his family, he, he, is a very family-oriented person. We know this. We know this. That That is what I think helped propel the rumors of him, like, wanting to go back home. But his family loves going out there. You know, they, they stayed out there for a really long time. Guy and Jane were there for his 100th point. Um, obviously, Meredith lives out there as well. <laughs> uh, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, they're having a baby. So that's obviously a huge decision if they want to raise a Canadian child. <laughs> they want their child to be a dual citizen, right? But I just don't understand how you can say, Johnny doesn't like it in Calgary. After watching compilations of him repeatedly saying how much he enjoys Calgary and how much he wants to win, how much he wants to bring Stanley Cup back to Calgary. Johnny does not hate Calgary. And that <coughs> Johnny does not appear to hate Calgary by any means. And if he does, he's a dang good liar. And you know what? He'd probably make a really good politician if that's the case. But I, I there's no way... He, he absolutely would have requested a trade if he hated Calgary so much in his, in his career, especially when things sucked. So you can get out of here with that. He's not going home to Philly because he's finally on a contending team. The Phillies are in the middle of a dumpster fire rebuild. He's not going to go to Boston because they're in their own hell storm. He's not going to go to New Jersey because, again, not contenders. The Rangers, maybe. Do the, I, I don't know what their money situation looks like. But at the same time, like, he wants to win in Calgary. So shush. Johnny is staying in Calgary. Coming up next, we are going to talk about the possibility of what's next for Mr. Johnny Be Good. Thank you again so much for tuning into today's episode. Tomorrow we have our Elias Lindholm report card, which I think will be a fun episode as well because Penny and Stitch's dad is a really good hockey player. What could be next for Gaudreau? What's next for the Flames? You know, the offseason has kind of just started. I think that this is, you know kind of quiet time where everyone's just kind of hanging out and going back home. Swedes are in Sweden, posting all over social media, having the time of their lives. Um, 
I haven't seen really anything from Johnny. I'm, I'm sure he's having fun. Blake Coleman is enjoying his golfing in the mountains. Uh, you know? So it's, it's still early enough before the Flames have to kick things into high gear. You know? This season was incredible. For the team. And for a lot of individuals, including Goudreau. He was the best two-way forward on their team. He was... 200% better than Elias Lindholm. Um, I think that because it was his first season as like a true two-way player, kind of got overlooked. But I, I do think that the expectations going into next year are incredibly high. And regardless of where he lands. But for the sake of things, let's say deals done deal six six to eight years nine million eight million I don't know I'm not I don't know what numbers look like but he so say he's coming back hypothetically he's coming back right with the two prior seasons being shortened ones so like you don't really get a, a true picture when you're looking at it um in twenty, in twenty twenty, when no, sorry, the twenty twenty one season, he had forty nine points in fifty six games, didn't reach twenty goals. And the same thing with tw- the 2019-2020 season, eighteen goals, forty assists. So again, doesn't hit twenty. Um, I, I don't think that that is a true picture of who he is, considering the season before was his 99-point season. He had 36 goals. Season before that, he had 24. And then 18, 30, and 24. And then one, because he played one game. But there's no way that you, you can look at this player and say, he, you know, this was just like a... Uh, an, an anomaly. This was in his true performance. Um, I think, if anything, we are like entering Johnny's like this elite era of Johnny Hockey. He has the two way talent. He's on the Flames, a contending team. He has a coach. He finally has a coach that believes in him. And we're, we are walking into Johnny's prime. You know, we talk about how, like, 27, 28 years old is, like, the, the juicy era of a hockey player's career. Like, the, this is when they start, like, taking off. You know, they finally, like, have gone through, like, that weird, like, second wind of puberty. They're, they're finally adjusted to the NHL. They, they found their game. They've established an identity. And I think that cutoff for Johnny was this past season. Like, I think that, that that this was, like, the start of it all. I think we're really entering some really exciting times for Gaudreau. And I am so excited to see where that goes for next season. I cannot believe 
we are fortunate enough to be watching Johnny Gaudreau play hockey. Um, my goal is to get out to Calgary next season to watch, be at the season opener. I live 45 minutes south of Montreal, so I'm crossing my fingers. I can get there for a game and see them. Get down to Boston to see them. They're such a fun team. Everyone on this team brings something unique to it. And I think Johnny just, Johnny's the heartbeat of this team. You know, when I started covering them, it was Matthew Kachuk. It was 100% Matthew Kachuk. But now I think that that torch has been passed over to Gaudreau. And I'm not saying, you know, oh, that he should be named captain. No, I, I don't think Johnny Gaudreau should be named captain. I, I He has enough pressure on him as it is. I, I don't think that he's someone that like should be. I don't think he's the strongest leader in the room, which isn't a knock to Johnny. Johnny is like this sweet little Italian boy, well-behaved. Like he's not not going to scream at you after a bad shift, you know? But um, I think that him wearing the A in this postseason with, with Chris Tanov out was really uh, a confidence booster. You could, That boy was beaming like the sun in Teletubbies. To be considered a leader, no, I think that that's big for him. And you have to wonder – when next season rolls around, will will he have an A? A lot of people in the past have said that you know he's not like really like a a leader. He's not, you know, he's just, he's quiet. He keeps to himself. But I think Daryl Sutter has brought out the best of Goudreau. I think we are really about to enter the prime. And I know I keep saying it. I'm so excited. To be honest, I just keep thinking of prime rib when I say that because it's like juicy prime. Sorry, I'm I'm hungry. It's it's dinner time. <laughs> but thank you all so much for tuning into today's episode of Locked On Flames. I'm so excited to be here five days a week with y'all. Uh, I think July will switch to three days a week, potentially August. But it's gonna be a while. So we've got our player profiles. Tomorrow's Lindy. We're going to talk all about his season and him finishing second overall in the Selkie Trophy nominations. Or not nominations, Selkie Trophy finalists voting. But for now, you can follow me on Twitter at JustFilmLostro. If you're watching on YouTube, it is right on the screen. Uh, you can follow the show's Twitter feed at LO underscore FlamesPod. And uh, I will see you all tomorrow. Bye-bye.